everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Book More Show. Chipping over my words. Welcome to another episode of the Book More Show. It's Stuart here, and today we don't have Betsy Vaughan, but we do have Jim Rollo with us. And Jim's one of our customers. Just finished writing his book, The Happy Homeowner, and we were uh, Jim was talking with Betsy and wanted to jump on a call just to run through what's brought Jim to the point of writing the book and how they're engaging with their audience because I think they've got an interesting uh, framework, an interesting proposition and then it uh, leads through to a scorecard which we've spent a lot of time talking about over the last uh, last couple of months on the show. So it seemed like a great opportunity. So Jim, welcome to the show. Thank you, Stuart. Great to be here. And I'm looking forward to this. We were just talking as we were getting set up offline and running through uh, the looking at the details of the book and thinking as we were getting ready for the call, I was thinking how this sits in quite nicely with the the framework of the scorecard that we were talking about. I think the best place to start probably is if you introduce yourself and your organization, and then we can get into the details of the book and how it's engaging. Sure. Be happy to. I am an insurance agent and have been since August of 2007. Prior to that, I worked in international business development in Latin America and working in the tag and label business. So we were making all of the garment labels for companies like Nike and Levi and Reebok and Old Navy and Gap. It's so, so interesting where people, you tend to think of big organizations. I know if you've listened to a few of the shows before, when we come up with examples, we kind of automatically default to the same couple of examples that come to mind. But your background, not so much the the business you're in then, but that label, tag and label business, there's so many multi-million dollar what appear as tiny niches, but are actually huge, that it's it's super interesting. Well, it's actually a multi-billion dollar market. <laughs> The tag and label business for apparel and footwear. It's one of those things. It's a multi-billion-dollar business, right? And one of those things that blends into the background, but of course, there's such a big underlying thing, uh, an underlying business that supports uh, things that, as a consumer, you don't necessarily notice. Well, and and I think it's I think it's important to um, so so the relevance of that piece of my history is is very pertinent when it comes to the book happy homeowner and i'll i'll draw the parallel so you can, can your you know the listeners can connect so when we were in the tag and label business um, we were a printing company Right. Now, if if I were to say, well, we're in the printing business, then all kinds of images could come to your mind. Well, you could say, well, yeah. do you print books? Yeah. Do you print catalogs and brochures? And well, the answer was no. We're we're going to be very focused. And we're going to zero in on one market segment, and we're going to become the world leader, and we're going to be exceptional, and we're going to provide service levels to customers in that segment that no one else can touch. Right. 
And so as a printing company, we went after the tag and label business and became very good at it. And so in the insurance business, I stepped back and looked at that experience with the tag and label business. And I said, well, what business am I in? Am I in the insurance business or am I in the business of helping homeowners preserve their dream of home ownership for a lifetime? Right. And so the you know so the insurance business in our case is a very broad if I say to you we're in the insurance business you could think of there are many images that come up in your mind when I say the insurance business but if I say to you we're in the business of happy home ownership and so I've been working in my insurance business for 11 years consistently improving our capability in the residential real estate market. And that's such a fantastic uh, connection between the two, seeing the success that you had by choosing that niche market, the people that you can make the biggest impact with, where you can focus all of the expertise in an industry that's big enough to support yourselves in an industry that's enjoyable to be in. Um, you've been in it for 11 years, so it's obviously something that you enjoy. But being able to dial that, into the customer's outcome their um, what they're really looking for rather than their kind of inside view of within the insurance game and it happens to be looking after homeowners it's really this is specifically targeted at looking at the homeowners i can imagine that that feeds through all of the other things that you do within the business because you've got that frame already there's that constraint of its it, it, ab- it absolutely does it yeah. absolutely does Right. So we're so when when a customer chooses us to uh protect their home, then as a follow on, they're saying, Well, why don't you also insure my autos? Why don't you provide disability income protection for us? Why don't you provide um you know, why don't you insure my boat? Why don't you provide yeah. my life insurance? So when we're when we're providing an exceptional experience, a remarkable experience with uh, with their home, the acquisition of their home, or if they're you know, they already are a homeowner, we have conversations with them no one else has ever had. Then suddenly. Um, we're building a level of trust where they're eager to have us involved in other areas where right. they have insurance needs. Mm-hmm. Because you're the the advocate for them, the champion for them. It's not selling a product as such. That's not the main lead in. You're not going with the um, the home insurance lead. It's the more customer centric view of how can we help you achieve a broader goal of being successful in a broader area, which naturally leads across multiple products. I can imagine right. that as you deal with them, that's because that's it's slightly uncommon approach. It's, it's much more common for people to be very kind of execution and product centric. Uh, so I can imagine that the people that you're working with appreciate that. Um, they do. And so, Right. And so there's there's multiple aspects to this. So part so the other part of what we do, and a very important word, is the word collaboration. Right. right. So 
So the other part of what we do is we are members, we're, we're participants in the residential real estate market together with mortgage brokers, real estate agents, home inspectors, closing attorneys. And so we build and we create value for them that is compelling that they then recommend us to their customers. Right. So they'll so so the real estate agents, mortgage brokers, home inspectors, closing attorneys are all recommending us to their customers to say, hey, we have to talk to these people. And so the book is a way in part to uh, give those centers of influence that I mentioned, what I call centers of influence, real estate agents, mortgage brokers, closing attorneys, home inspectors, a resource that they can then give to their customers, which is the book, yeah. a resource to say, hey, we care about you beyond the closing table. We care about you and your dream of home ownership for a lifetime. And the resources and information in this book are going to help you preserve your dream of home ownership for a lifetime. So as a participant in the residential real estate industry, we're adding unique value that is beneficial to the people that we collaborate with uh, to, to create a remarkable experience for their customers. It's such a great example of, we did a show a couple of weeks ago, um, episode 61 called Working With Others. So we talked there a lot about this idea of working with complementary non-competing businesses and being able to leverage and kind of amplify your expertise by helping right. someone else's audience. Because that collaboration approach that you talked about, particularly if everyone within the collaboration or the cooperative is is thinking in a, has the same mindset, it's very much about everyone helping the end customer, but everyone brings their unique ability to it, their specialization, their desire to share information. Yes. The benefit that you have as the, the business owner is accessing a, a like-minded group of of organizations and, and then customers by starting the conversation with adding value. Do you find within those complementary non-competing businesses, is everyone on the same wavelength or does it take a little bit of, um, are there definitely people that get it and definitely people that don't get it in terms of this is kind of education first? Um, yeah, there uh, are, they're right. It's all over. It's all over the, uh, you know, on a continuum from as you, to use your words, they get it. To they don't get it, you know. Right. On that continuum, there are people um, at both ends and everywhere in between um, that are looking for the um, a way to enhance their process. They they have co a collaborative mindset, and uh, so so we're looking for the people who say. Yes, I want to be a participant in this, and I really see the value of what you're doing, and I want my customers to have that experience. And, the, right. and so the book is only one piece of it. We have a we have a whole customer experience for homeowners 
that is extremely unique. And there's there's really four things that we're doing. And in the in the consumer insurance you know business, there's there's really four things that we're that our process is designed to do, and the book is a big part of that. We're decommoditizing the commoditized, right? So, right. so insurance in general has become commoditized. There's a commodity mentality, and it's just go online and get your insurance, and um, you know, the rest will take care of itself. Yeah. All so we're decommoditizing. Yeah. We're making the intangible tangible. Right. We're making the forgotten remembered. Right. And we're making the invisible visible. And that's an interesting point, isn't it? Because so many people, I guess, are coming to it from the point of view of this is a product that they hope never really, that they hope they never have to use. It's not going out and buying something, um, a consumer product where the, the there's a desire associated with the the thing itself. This is very much making those intangible elements of it, the desire elements, the, uh, the reassuring people of continuing to be able to achieve the dream and the safety aspects and the uh, the reassurance elements, making those things tangible, whereas the just the policy itself, although that's the product, is the kind of intangible element. It's an interesting approach. Yes, and our and I talk about this in the book. In our business, what we're offering people is a promise. Right. And so if the day comes when what we call a storm of life appears out of nowhere, then the moment of truth comes when we are going to have the opportunity to deliver on the promise and be promise keepers and keep the promises that we've made to you that if and when a storm of life comes up, we're going to step in on your behalf and help you recover. Right. That kind of, those persuasion elements almost of in the book, starting to educate people on what the difference is between the commodity and the the more um, the more real impacting elements if the policy was called upon so including those in the book some of the persuasion techniques of seeding the idea and starting that conversation early i imagine that that then makes the follow-on conversations as you move people towards a a buying decision a conversion point that makes that conversation easier because you've already sowed the seed of the idea which is something you want to later amplify yes yeah and, and the dream and so part of the 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 message of the book is that the dream of home ownership is a lifetime dream and i want to i want to give special mention to your development team glenn worked with me on developing the cover for the book and i also worked with a real estate agent uh, a particular real estate agent who was very uh insightful when it came to development of the cover of the book to comply with a rule we have in the U.S. about fair housing. 
so that any imagery on the cover of the book or inside the book cannot indicate that we're interested in working with a particular type of people or type of person yeah. from a you know uh, gender age race any anything that would indicate we're only interested in working with a certain type of person right uh, so if i put imagery on the cover of the book or inside the book that showed any type of real people then real estate agents would not be interested or or even able to use the book because it would be a potential fair housing violation in the United States. That's an interesting point for the broader market as well. I kind of as people are listening to this and thinking about those unconscious biases that are just ingrained in everyone because there's a um, kind of everyone that's got that kind of snap to grid mentality, a little bit of of just recognizing the familiar and and naturally being drawn to it but sharing the cover with other people or looking at it through the frame the lens of a different question of is there any unconscious bias that's being brought into this that's quite an interesting point to raise regardless of whether there's actually a law around um or a guideline around housing or industry specific things but uh, it's Definitely something that we, when Glenn and Sarah are working with the covers, we try and keep them neutral as much as possible. But I think you're, the point that you raise about actually having that check and balance, that checkpoint to to see if there is any um, unconscious biases crept into it, is a great well, checkpoint. Well, I, I would, yeah, I would say my my lesson, my takeaway from that experience was and I would advise anyone who's working on a book that and they say well I have a target audience in my case the target audience is the homeowner but it's also the folks that we're going to collaborate with and the folks we do collaborate with in the real estate industry so yeah. I went to them and said here's my concept here's what I'm thinking about here's what I think my cover is going to look like and so my target audience uh, the collaborators, if you will, uh, I solicited their input and their feedback, which turned out to be very useful. So I would encourage anybody who's thinking about writing a book or who's in the process to, wherever possible, really touch base with the folks that you're looking to work with, that you're hoping the book will benefit and get their input and feedback as early in the process as possible. Yeah, that's such a great point because so often, and we've talked about this a couple of times in the past, that there's the the concept of writing a book is so overwhelming in many cases that it's thought of as a lock yourself away in a cabin for six months type process. And all of the focus is around the words itself. We try very much to come from the what's the job of work of this point of view, of this product, of this tool? What's the end goal? How is it going to work in a funnel? And almost then with all of the other steps in place, that the scorecard that the eight mindsets that we have the writing the content in the center is almost the it's one small element and even within that we kind of change the focus slightly so i think the point that you raise about understanding how you intend to use it and who the 
end customers are, but also the customers in the sense of those people that you want to work with. And for each of those individual groups, maybe ask the same set of questions. So who's this going to resonate with? Are there any issues that might come up? But change the lens slightly from the customer group to the to the collaborator group, almost consider it from each stakeholder's point of view, is a great framework, a great quick check and balance that can quite quickly be done because it's the same framework, but you're just changing the stakeholders. I think that's a great uh, tip and pointer to people to kind of, as early as possible, exactly as you said, get those different elements of import because it's then easier to tweak and change and course correct as you go through rather than realizing it afterwards because you didn't engage everyone that uh, that you could have done um within the i guess the the kind of opposite of that is don't uh no need to procrastinate and wait for too long because you're trying to get everyone's opinion but definitely right that's right i guess that would if if you're familiar with the colby profile it would depend on your colby index uh (laughs) you know so so i'm a i'm a uh a quick start and Colby and, but, but also, you know, sort of wanting to check in with people quickly and move quickly and make decisions quickly. So, but, but I I wanted to pick up on something you said a few minutes ago, talking about, I actually, so, so a little background on starting to write a book. So I started writing a book like in late 2016. And I remember saying to my team, well, I'm going to lock myself away <laughs> right. in a room for some untold number of months and sort of uh, become the, and I might go to Cuba uh, <laughs> so, you know, I can become the next Minimize Ernest Hemingway. <laughs> right. So, Right. So, uh, so then I read one of the books that I was given. I'm in the 10x program at Strategic Coach with Dan Sullivan, and he gave us a book that was uh, written by a guy named Kim White. And Kim White gave credit to 90 Minute Books in his book, yeah. and about how the process was so simple, et cetera. And I immediately contacted. Your, you know, 90 minute books and they walked me through the process. And I said, this is, this is the answer to my prayers. Right. Um, I'll go to Cuba another time <laughs> and, but, enjoy the uh, vacation. <laughs> and enjoy a vacation as opposed to being locked in a room someplace. So, so it was, um, I had been working on it and laboring over it painfully. And, uh, you, you guys made it easy. And I trusted the process. So, so uh, you know, several times I think Kim and or Betsy, you know, said to me, thank you for trusting the process right. and, um, you know, walking through our process. And, and so it's worked and we're. And we're on the road, so it's good. Got, I've worked quite closely with Kim, uh, Kim White rather than our Kim, um, who, who we've also got a t- Kim on the team. But uh, so Kim White, we worked together quite closely on the final stages and then some follow-on stuff with his scorecard as well. And the benefit that all of the coach clients that we work with, it's very much that appreciation of the 80% rule and understanding what the job of work is that 
this isn't the books that we're talking about are about engaging people and starting the conversation and moving forward and getting it done it's not about um we're not talking about fiction books here and then the words being the product this is it has a job of work to move the conversation forward and seeing people move through the process where um betsy was just talking to someone last week who we first talked to in 2015 so this is three years ago now at this point and they could have written 10 books in that time but the the um resistance to get started or the perfectionism of wanting it to be perfect before it it moves anywhere and all of that all of those elements that bring in pieces of procrastination that means three years goes by and it, it never even gets started i think working with the coach guys particularly understanding that the benefit of the velocity and the getting it done and the 80 percent approach and that this is version one and it has a job to do and you can never be sure about how successful the approach will be until it's out there and being tested that kind of lean pivoting type approach that i think for for you guys is for us it's very um it's refreshing to to work with people that think that way but for you guys it just means it gets done and i think was it in well May? that's really the that's really the um for for us so so like you said what's the purpose of the book is to start a conversation and in our case we want to start a conversation in a unique way we want to start a conversation i'm not interested in writing uh, and nobody's interested in reading an insurance <laughs> book, right? Right. So if I want to get, I want to help you obtain your insurance license to become a licensed insurance professional, then that's that's not what I'm doing. I'm trying to start a conversation with people um, in a way that they've never had a conversation before, and talk to them about what they want in a way that has never happened before. Yeah. And so, and then where the conversation goes from there depends on the person, but, but it's really, as you say, it's meant to start a conversation about, and when you think about the title of our book, Happy Homeowner, uh, the question is, who doesn't want to be a happy homeowner? Yeah. Right? So... So there's, you know, there's it definitely of... resonates with with that group. So you were talking earlier about the 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 broader group, the complementary non-competing businesses you're working with as a channel to potential customers and that that mm-hmm. target audience. Are you looking at using the book in different ways, different channels as well, or is that the main? Yes, I am actually. So so one of so there's in our case, I am licensed and authorized in New York State and in Pennsylvania. Right. The other states where we're not licensed, where we don't compete, we're not authorized or eligible to compete, they're our our entire framework that we've developed for the residential real estate market, including the book, is a framework that we're going to um, assist other insurance agencies to implement. Right. Okay. 
so the so that I don't know if that answers your question, but that's that's the other group is other insurance agents who are and again it's got to be a mindset you know there has to be um, we have to be on the same page and we have to have the same mindset about being they have to have the mindset of being collaborative with the members of the residential real estate industry in their local market yeah and and delivering value to consumers in a way that is consistent with the way we deliver value to consumers and to homeowners so so and again there's going to be uh, the particular target that I'm after, I happen to know, there are 18,000 agents in the United States, Why? and I, I happen to know that a small subset of those are going to have the same mindset that we have, and they're going to have a, they're going to want to collaborate with us, and they're going to want to collaborate with the residential real estate market in their area and adopt the systems that we have in place yeah. and the approach to consumers that we have in place. So that's a long answer to your question, but the answer is yes. That's that's where we're going next. And I think that syndication element, that taking the framework that you've proved and tested within your own business and then can evidence it to other people along with providing the framework and additional assets and everything that they need to almost franchise the marketing system. Because That's you've exactly right. It. That's exactly right. Such a great opportunity because you've got the evidence within your own organization, the 11 years of experience that you've got of testing these campaigns and the approaches. So it's almost becomes uh, having the evidence to back that up and the supporting materials and all of the assets in place that can be shared with others with a, um, with the regional boundaries providing a very obvious um, constraint so that, they aren't competing with each other. It's a, a great framework in an audience that is more than big enough to support all of the the business objectives that um, that I'm sure you have. The the complete audience being eighteen thousand people and only needing a a subset of those guys to raise their hand as interested. But well, and they're and they're facing so so the folks that are facing the same issues and recognize the issues that I mentioned earlier. That is, they're looking to decommoditize the commoditized, right. make the intangible tangible, make the forgotten remembered, make the invisible visible. They see that they see that need. They're looking for a way to be different and provide unique value in the marketplace. And we have a way to help them do that. That's um, that's where the um, the courtship and the marriage can, you know, be mutually beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. And I can imagine it, it taking it to the the next level of development. Once the first couple of, you've got a great case study with your own business, but once the first couple of uh, white label franchise type clients are on board, then cycling back through and looking at the improvements that you can get from there and being right. the quick start mentality of, of getting things up and running and tweaked and tested the acceleration for the next over the next couple of years of those groups going through 
the collaboration. You multiply elements. your learning, right? You multiply your learning exactly. and yeah. right and accelerate your progress collectively, because now now I have the benefit of the experience and the engagement and involvement of many more people that can really um, enhance the process. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, that, that collective experience just amplifies it in a much quicker way than you could do just by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to jump back to the book itself then and how that sits in the funnel kind of engaging with the customers we talked about the way that customers would get a copy in the first place primarily through the collaborative relationships and the referrals to it and being given it as part of the overall home buying process the content of the book is really focused around the the seven secrets of of your framework so the it begins the conversation across those seven elements we talked briefly about the scorecard and the fact that it ties in with with a broader scorecard that you have so the funnel for customers as they come on board is the the scorecard the next step kind of thinking about that multiple minimum viable commitment steps down Mm. a down a campaign yes well Right, it is. So so let me just say that what one of the ways that with our collaborative relationships, uh, one of the ways that, or the primary way that they will be able to provide, let's take the example of a real estate agent. We'll, we will create a um, landing page for the real estate agent that is personalized with the real estate agent's photo and logo and the real estate agent will give that link to their customer as a for a complimentary copy of the book. Yeah. So when they go to that link, they'll have the option of do they want a hard copy of the book which we're happy to mail to them as a gift from the real estate agent or do they want a PDF copy of the book which we'll send to them by email. Yeah. And then the next step in the process will be that the person who received a copy of the book will next be invited to uh, do a self-assessment on the Happy Homeowner Scorecard. So then they'll be able to uh, look at where where am I on the eight mindsets, the seven simple secrets plus a bonus secret, the eighth simple secret, which is a bonus secret in the book, um, that will help them say, where am I compared to the ideal? Where are my gaps? And then let's talk about how we can close those gaps to get you closer to the ideal when it comes to the simple secrets. Fantastic. That correlation or that tie-in from the kind of the preceded framework in the book itself, because that you've already the, the book almost becomes the manifesto, if you like, for the framework. It kind of sets the introduces the ideas and sets the scene in a kind of narrative sense, explaining it. To have that then backed up with a scorecard where people are evidencing for themselves where they need assess, assessment um, assistance rather, or if they need assistance. I think that creates a very strong funnel and, and through story from 
here's you've been referred to this because something happened in a conversation that sparked the idea that you might want a copy of it you get a copy of it and in a very accessible um customer friendly way it kind of sets out the the framework and explains why individual things are important and then goes on to say okay now that we've said these things for you on this scale and at the end of that there's the suggestion of what to do next at no point in there are you telling people what they should do or um, pointing out that people are silly for not having done things it's very friendly and positive and moving in the in a a joined up direction toward an ultimate outcome which is is to do business with you guys that whole we've talked a lot about this in the show and as we're talking to people individually trying to get people to think about that funnel that campaign the book is one piece that kind of sits in this overall journey i think what you've achieved with it is is kind of almost the perfect example of that because it's such it's so thematically joined together it's so on the on the same path it's uh i think it's a great example of how to use a book to start that conversation One well we thing- come at we come so a couple things on that we come at life from the perspective that people are smart yeah not not the opposite yeah. We come at life from the perspective that if people are smart, which we believe they are, and we provide information to them like we do in the book and like we do in the scorecard, like you said, gee, you know, we're not going to say, boy, you're silly for not having done the following. <laughs> yeah. Then then because they're smart and they're going to make good decisions, if they have good information available to them to make good decisions – then then the the natural outcome of this process will be that we've given them information they may not have had in the past and because they have that information they're now going to make decisions so we're not going to tell them what to do we certainly do uh, recommend certain things but at the end of the day people make decisions uh, that are in their own best interest, they believe to be in their best interest, yeah. and we just want to equip them to make better decisions. Um, and so so the outcome of all this is that by the time people go through this process, they will be there will they will have four attributes. the people that we work with will have four attributes. They're pre-interested, they're pre-qualified, they're pre-motivated, and they're predisposed to to do business with us. Right. So, and that's such a great point to raise as well, because all of the steps that we've talked about so far, depending on how much automation you want to build into the process or systems that you want to put in place, obviously it can be relatively manual. But everything up to the point that they come out of the scorecard is a relatively hands-off process. You don't necessarily need to... Um, to individually email people with each step in the process they can be guided through in a in a very personal way but still in a in a scalable automated way so that just as you said they pop out of that process with those four attributes already in place and at that point you're then dealing with a much warmer educated potential customer than just uh, someone off the street yes one of the things that I was thinking about with, um, and again, it depends on whether it's worthwhile or not, but one of the things to consider, given the nature of the print-on-demand of the books, if you do have a couple of agents that either immediately or over time identify themselves as as um, 
very dialed into the to the program that you've got are, are kind of your closest collaborators there's always the opportunity to tweak the book slightly to include a forward from that particular agent or you could co-brand it in some way with that particular agent or organization we, we quite often talk to people about kind of separating themselves from the ownership element of the book there's I think the nature of the industry to a certain degree there's uh, of, of the publishing industry not the insurance industry but there's an element of oh I want this I wrote this rather I want to own it and I want to have my face all over it but if that doesn't serve the greater purpose then separating yourself from that that very personal connection and allowing other people to um, to include themselves on it because that well, we actually that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. We actually have already uh, we have uh, real estate agents who are interested in having, uh, as you called it, a forward. One of the first pages inside the book would be their photograph, their contact information, and a generic letter to their customer. Uh, expressing their sentiments and their uh, gratitude for the customer working with them and the fact that they care about them beyond the closing table. They care about them for a lifetime and that this book is an expression of that caring for them. And so they're very, we have real estate agents who are very much on board with that idea and want to do that. So, and yeah, when you think about the point. value that it adds all down the chain, it adds value to the customer because they're not just being handed something that is valuable information, but they might not necessarily realize the, the value of it. They're being given a warm introduction to something that's actually going to help them. For the realtor, the, the collaboration partner, it adds value to their overall chain because it allows them to deliver something more after the initial sale, that kind of after after the lifetime value of the their, their relationship is built more. It adds to um, it's beneficial to you in the sense that it's an even warmer introduction, more relevant introduction made by the person, the realtor that's got the relationship with the end customer and the opportunity right. to reinforce why it's important and why they chose to work with you and w- what elements of it, particularly that that uh, that the end customer should pick up on. It adds value all down the chain, and this is something we talk about a lot. Of is don't necessarily think about writing something and just throwing more ad money at it or looking for a new channel to customers or think about how you can add a lot more value to the existing things that are there because changing, pulling the lever on that a little bit stronger by 10% is going to be far more beneficial than trying to put something completely new in place. Right. Well, I had a, I had, to your point, I had a real estate agent say, well, this would make a great closing gift. And I said, no, it wouldn't because uh, if they haven't spoken to me, or they don't know about me until after the closing, then we have a problem. It's <laughs> so, a little bit, yeah, a little bit far down there. It's track. too late. Yeah, and they've and they've made decisions that will impact their home ownership experience yeah. without the knowledge of the content of the book. We want them to have right. the knowledge of the content of the book before they make before. those decisions, not yeah. after. Yeah. I mean, as we're talking, the opportunity that, um, and again, it's all kind of, um, it's a balance of how much effort is is worth the, the benefit that you're going to provide or the results that you might get. But there's definitely a scenario, I think, where adding a whole um, 
educational suite of material which hopefully are some of the things that you have existing already so we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here it's just tweaking slightly some of the assets you've already had for the context that they're going to be used but adding uh, audio into that funnel adding video into that funnel co-branding some of the uh, the the printed material, the design material that you've you've probably already got, just changing the language very slightly, but in a way that customizes it for either that particular realtor or if it's a realtor versus a a closing lawyer that you're working with or or someone in a in a different industry, being able to dial all of that in and pile on the value at the most um, appropriate time, but just mm -hmm. by tweaking some of the assets that you've already got. No, very other, very few people are doing this because very few people think about that collected view. I think it's uh, it's much more execution and try something that can and, and then take an action from that and then do something else and and, and test. It's the um, it's testing lots of different things and see what sticks rather than going deep on one particular thing and seeing where the value can be added all down a chain that already exists. Well, one of the things that I and personally enjoy in life and the thing that keeps me excited and motivated and waking up every day is what I call reshaping the game, changing the game, changing the playing field right. in a way that um, is totally transformative. Right. And so, so what, what the you know the book is a piece of that whole strategy to transform the playing field and transform the business uh, in a way that is that is totally different and unique and as you said nobody else is doing it yeah everybody's trying to play the commodity the commodity game yeah and completely. Yeah, we're we're not talking about price because um, that's really of secondary importance. Though one of the chapters in the book is happy homeowners keep costs down. We talk to them about ways to keep costs down. Uh, it's one of the secrets in the book, but that's really not the focus. And people, there are many people I can tell you who who work with us, who walk away from their experience with us. And they're paying more gladly because now they're covered in a way that they were never even told about before. And they walk away saying, why didn't anybody tell me about this? Right. <laughs> and so, so that's, and, that's really. And that cool. line of why didn't anyone tell me about this before? I read that as I was going through the book prior to the, to the call, that line, just as you were saying about working with the realtor, Having a conversation is great, but if that conversation comes far too late, then thanks, but this would have been useful months ago or, or years ago. Being able to have that, take the time to have that conversation, and it's not about price. It's not about trying to dive in at the bottom. It's about educating people to understand what outcome they really want. That kind of value. Right. Well, if, if let's just take the let's just take the case. Let's just say, Stuart, that you are one of our customers, and whether you're coming in as a new customer or you're an existing customer, and you and I are having a conversation. One of one of the things that we say over and over to customers, and I would say to you, is I would say, look, Stuart, 
we're going to talk about all of your risks and all of the storms of life that could come up. And you're going to do something about them or you're not going to do something about them. But here's one thing I know. I never want you, Stuart, to walk in here and sit in front of me and ask me this question. Jim, why didn't you tell me about that? Right. Yeah. I think having that, if you decide not to do something about it, that's one thing. But just not having the conversation, not knowing that it's even a decision that you should either make or ignore, two very different things. And I think the whole setup of the book, which we talk about quite a lot, again, it's in the book blueprint scorecard when we do talk about the content section, but it's very much about value-driven content. It's about even if people never did anything else with you that having read the book they would have got some value from it It would have answered a question and that i think is the key to the content that starts the conversation that then leads on to leads on to other things further down the track yes yeah that's the goal yeah um time always goes quick i can't believe that we're kind of gone uh, 45 minutes already yes. um, it'd yeah yeah great to catch up with you again in the in the future and just kind of cycle back for people circle back for people and talk about how the experience has been obviously the book's only just been completed now so be good to circle back um sure one of the things that fantastic one of the things that i quickly want to touch on before we finish then i think the main the main thing that i really want to get out of this call we've achieved which is getting people to think about that overall funnel approach and how a book fits into a broader picture and your example i think is absolutely perfect one of the things just on the process you talked about thinking about starting to write in 2016 but there was the um that never got the the traction just in terms of completing the process our process obviously is it's not rocket science but it is a slightly different approach than uh, than other people what was the um what was the the highlight or the low light of the of going through the process? Was there anything that was a, a surprise that turned out well, or was uh, was frustrating? And advice to others to to be aware of. Before? I would say the 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 design the cover design was amazing. Uh, the uh, the step in the process where we put the outline in place and the chapters in place and put the um, the title in place that that though you know those first two steps were the best fantastic uh then the phone interview was great um in hindsight i when i received uh the 10 copies 10 review copies and the what you call the digital asset which is the draft for me to review uh, in hindsight, I wish I had held on to the ten review copies and right. just and just reviewed the digital asset file and made my edits to that, uh, which is really what ended up happening. I gave the review copies to people, and the way I speak in my particular case and the way I write are quite different. And so I took my spoken words from the interview the recorded interview, which you all had transcribed. And then I rewrote them into the way I write versus the way I speak and communicating the same message, of course. But um, so I would have just held on to the 10 review copies 
and said, okay, I'm going to go through the edits and now let me here, you know, here's my final, final, final. Yeah. It's always interesting. We hear from um, some people when they hear that something will be printed, created, um, it's um, almost a point of, um, they're almost uh, surprise isn't the right word, but there's a there's a fear that once it's on the the page, that's it, it's set in stone. And I think that comes from the traditional printing world, where it is difficult and expensive to make changes after something's been created. The benefit right. that we have here is that it's very flexible, and I certainly wouldn't suggest this, but you could make changes to it every month, and it's um, it's pretty cost effective to do. Definitely yeah. recommend that to anyone. Right. But it's, we used to, back in the early days when we first started, we used to call those first version galley copies and they wouldn't have the final cover on and they looked very different. But then that had the the effect on the other side of them being slightly over underwhelming rather when they arrived and trying to strike that middle ground of, of here's something. But it's always great to hear back from people on what the challenges were because that gives us the opportunity to tweak the, the language that we use in when we're talking to people and the expectations that we set. But I think your point of it was a straightforward process to make the changes and we're just going through a version update now, that's something that I would point out to people as well or um, not let people get hung up on the fact or prevent them from doing it, whether they do it with us or, or do it themselves, is always think about this as a live document and making the first set of changes when you see the first version come back is great because that's your first iteration but also think about it kind of like a six months or a 12 month cycle you're going to get feedback from people that who raise issues that you might not have thought about before or something that seems perfectly clear because you've been doing this for 11 years and and this particular um one of the secrets is is very obvious but perhaps it's not as understood externally think of it as a living document and certainly we get people that make annual updates or even i don't think we've got anyone that's on a regular six-month cycle but we've definitely got annual updates and it's a very live document going forward so there's a lot of opportunity to tweak and make further improvements down the track yep like you said it's better to get it out there and um you know if we wait until we achieve perfection it's yeah. like I like to use the analogy of, uh, well, I speak several languages, right? So I speak Spanish and Portuguese. And so so learning Spanish and Portuguese required that I make a lot of mistakes, say things that turned <laughs> out to be offensive and horrible and everything else. But I use the analogy of it's like saying, well, once I learn how to swim, then I'll get in the water. Well, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think the so, language analogy is funny. My wife is uh, speaks Spanish better than much better than I do. I mean, neither of us are fluent in any in any, in any way. But when we're on vacation, um, she's not so enthused about the idea of of trying to speak a foreign language, even though she's way more talented than I am. Whereas I'm quite happy to kind of remember one or two words and then trying to plug the gaps with gestures and uh, pointing. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, mean, I could tell some stories about some some hilarious uh, things that I said to people that were. <laughs> you will know, laugh about them now, but you know, at the time, I had no idea what I was saying that was. You know, <laughs> or why there was such a shocked response. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Fantastic. So, um, okay. Okay. Well, 
thanks again for your time, Jim. Before we go, I just wanted to definitely make sure that people have got an opportunity to to check in with you. So if, if anyone, well, I guess if anyone is a insurance broker from out of state and, and wanting to kind of early get, uh, reach out to you guys as and when a, a program comes available, what's the best way to contact you? Or uh, the area? My email is the best way, jim at jimrollo.com. Fantastic. Well, I'll make mm-hmm. sure that we include this in the show notes. So um, show notes right. as always head over to 90minutebooks.com forward slash podcast. And then this is, uh, we'll have all of the show notes on there and make sure that we've got the contact details up as well. Um, again, I just wanted to say thanks for the time, Jim. It's been a great call. I'm really looking forward to checking back in with you in a couple of months and see how it's been going. Um, in the meantime, we talked about the the white label, the syndication option, all the, um, the dialing in for the individual realtors that you're working with. So yes. you've got my contact details. We'll, we'll switch I base do. offline as well. But, uh, but that's definitely an opportunity. And then we can share those stories with people uh, in, uh, in a future show. Great. Thank you, Stuart, for the invite. It was great to Perfect. be with you. Yeah, it's really great. Enjoyed this, Jim, and we'll speak soon. Uh, thanks, everyone, okay. for listening. All the best. Catch you next one. Thanks. Bye. Okay.